Welcome to the Freedom City Church podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right. Uh, Today we're going to talk about something. Oh, man. We're we're talking about... Pragmatic, Andrew. Let's get pragmatic. We're talking, we're following on this vein of discipleship because discipleship is what we are called to. As followers of Christ, as people of God, we are, yes, we are Christians, but I feel like Christians are the poor man's version of a disciple. And so what we are doing and what we're talking about and what we'll continue to talk about for a long time, because I feel like we're in a good groove here, is What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus as a mum of young children? Say amen. As a full time worker, how do I be a disciple? As someone with mental health issues, how do I be a disciple? As someone with an addiction, how do I be a disciple? As someone who is and hands up, well done, like say amen if you agree. You are time poor. He feels time poor. He feels that the universe is robbing you from your time. Some of us feel very time poor. It's very hard. It's very hard to follow Jesus when you feel like you don't have enough time. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to shift our paradigm, our way of thinking, to say, no, actually, I am a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I can follow Jesus in in whatever way, any time of the day. Shout out to Reese and Erica. They're, they're followers of Jesus who aren't here right now with twins, who are now supporting a friend who's getting baptized at a different church. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate that. Let's celebrate that, that they're going and they're supporting someone who's walking forward in their discipleship journey. But it can be hard to feel like you're following Jesus well when your life is so busy all the time. So sometimes what happens is following, following Jesus falls down the list of priorities in our lives. And I know that if you could say, all right, my Bible reading, my, my prayer, my time with God, all these sorts of things, if you were to put it in a list of priorities and then you were to say, all right, I've got work, I've got food, I've got showering, I've got all these sorts of stuff as well, like you'd start to see following Jesus go right down the list of priorities. You'd be like, yeah. Well, I need to eat before I pray. Well, it's like, well, sorry, before I, uh, I follow Jesus. Mind you, that's another, we could talk about fasting sometime. Uh, so it's like, oh, I need, to, I need to work before I spend time with my connect group or whatnot. These are all real issues and tensions that we face. But it's about learning that the list of priorities, it doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be like, I won't do, I'll do this instead of. It's about learning how to live a life and follow Jesus in everything that we do. And I think the reason you are here today is because you want to grow. It's because you want to know Jesus and you want to be a follower of Jesus. So good on you for being here. I also think it's very important, imperative, I will say, that we understand the call to follow Jesus is one of the greatest significance. It is so significant to, to, for those who in the Bible were called to follow, and it remains today. For us to follow Jesus is a so significant. So we're going to do a four-part series. We have not done a series for a while, but it's like we're going to do a four-part series called... 
Rabbi and Talmudim. Say Rabbi and Talmudim. This is fun and you are speaking Hebrew. It's, we're going to talk about what it is, why following Jesus was and still is the, uh, a calling of the greatest honour and how we can build our lives around three goals of a Talmudim. And I'll explain to you what a Talmudim is, is as I go on. But if you were to say, who is Jesus? If I was to ask you, who is Jesus to you? In the Old Testament, sorry, the New Testament, and today, a lot of you might say, my saviour, my messiah. You might say, he's my, my lord. And you know, the lordship, Molly spoke on lordship not long ago, an amazing uh, thing that we have to understand. He's our lord. But I... I don't think, wait, I don't think many of you, I'll probably say 99% of you, may, apart from Stu maybe, will, will call Jesus your rabbi. When's the last time you called Jesus? Stu wouldn't do that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Who would call themselves Jesus their rabbi? Who's ever called Jesus their rabbi? It's, it's kind of weird. But it is so, so central to who Jesus actually is. Because a rabbi in the, Old Testament, the New Testament and Old Testament was a teacher of the law who would go from town to town teaching something called their yoke. And we've all, we, a lot of us have heard of the verse that says, Come to me those who are heavy laden for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. A yoke is not an egg yoke. It is also um, the metaphor that we see as oxen, two oxen next to each other, an older oxen and a younger oxen, with a yoke over the necks, ploughing a field together, the older oxen teaching the younger oxen the ways, the way of the yoke. Oh, this is fun. Uh, the way of the yoke. But a yoke for a rabbi was a euphemism, a.k.a. a set of teachings of his way of reading the Torah. Who knows what the Torah is? The first five books of the Bible, the Torah. I told our Bible study the other week. Oh, the, the Torah is the Old Testament. And it was 7 a.m., so I was super tired. Then I went away and I was like, no, it's not. Sorry, it's the first five books. But the yoke is the way someone reads and interprets the Torah. So this rabbi interpreted the Torah a certain way and taught a certain way. Therefore, that was his yoke, the euphemism, the example. And so Jesus was a young... So Jesus was actually my age. So that, that gives me a bit more authority, doesn't it? Jesus, Jesus was my age. He was 30 when he started, 33 when he finished. Well, he's not finished. Has, well, he's finished, actually. That's true. But he was a young, brilliant, like me, rabbi who was preaching a new yoke, a new way of living, a new way of interpreting the Torah. Are you with me? In the, uh, the Gospels, do you know how many times when people talk to Jesus, they say, Rabbi? Two thirds, 60 of the 90 times, they address Jesus as a rabbi. They're not... They don't say Lord, sometimes they do, 60 times. They don't say Messiah, 60 times. They say Rabbi. So two-thirds of the time. So whenever there's an emphasis or a focus on something, we should take notice of it. But this has a lot of implications for how we are to follow Jesus. 
Because if we're looking at the Bible for our example of how to follow Jesus, we can't push aside, oh, he, he was a rabbi. He's no longer a, a rabbi. He was a teacher. He's no longer a teacher. We have to say, he is a teacher. First and foremost, he is a teacher. He is a saviour. That's overwhelming, yes. But he is our teacher of what, of how to live as a human. Jesus did everything he did as a human. He didn't, he didn't inspired by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't do it supernaturally. That might be a hard thing to, to grasp because we say he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. No, he, he didn't do it supernaturally. He did it with his hands, with his feet, with his emotions, with his soul. Everything he did was done because he wanted to show to us, teach to us that everything, who you are right now is sufficient. The grace from the cross is sufficient for you to live a life that shows the cross that shows the kingdom of God. Come on. There's not much you can do apart from follow. And as you follow, things change. So when we talk about rabbi, we have to talk about disciples because the people who followed a rabbi were a disciple. And I'll explain what Talmudim is in a tick. But 261 times, next slide please, Quill. 261 times in the New Testament, the word disciple is used. Three times the word Christian is used. And when it was used, it was used as little Christ who follow. And it was used almost in a derogatory term. It was used by people about Christians, about the disciples. It was like, yeah, I'm a Christian. No, it was like, look at those Christians over there. Those little Christ, they're following doing what he did. You know, it's like when we talk about the followers of Jesus, those who believed in the way, the truth, and life, they were called disciples. So we should call ourselves disciples. Who finds that really weird? Who finds that like you go out and it's like, oh, you go to church, yeah, I'm a disciple. What? Is it a cult? Almost. Yeah, it's like, am I, I'm a disciple. I am a disciple. The term Christian nowadays commonly, though, denotes someone who holds a certain set of beliefs. So you can, I've had so many people say to me, I'm a Christian. I'm like, well, then why don't you go to church? I'm a Christian. Then why are you living the lifestyle that you're living? I'm a Christian. Then why don't you follow Jesus? And I don't want to sound mean here. I just want to say it as it is. When we are disciples of Christ, there is something different to the way that we live. I can call myself a Christian like the census does and says that most of Australia is a Christian. You know, I heard somewhere a stat, and we all know that stats are true, a stat that 70% of Americans called themselves Christians, whereas 8% of themselves said that they actually followed Jesus on a day-to-day basis. So the difference between calling yourself a Christian and adhering to a certain set of beliefs and being a disciple who follows and lives following Christ. All right, who likes the Bible? Let's go to it. Mark 1, verses 16 to 20. Jesus calls his first disciples. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. 
Note that they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left the nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The term, I will make you fishers of men. Who's heard that before? I will make you fishers of men. That's not just a joke because they're fishing. It's like, like my doctor, my cardiologist, his name's Dr. Best. And I'm like, oh, I get the best care. You know, it's, like, it's not like that. It's not a joke. Jesus is funnier than that. What it is, is I will make you fishers of men. Fishers of men. That's actually a, something that denotes a great teacher. A teacher because when I teach, when I speak, when I share the yoke, people are captivated. So what Jesus is saying to them, he's not saying, I'll make you fishers of men like Go out and tell people about Jesus. No, I will make you a great teacher. And these are fishermen. Probably uneducated. Probably someone who just learnt the family business. No, these are fishermen. Then Mark 2, 13 to 14. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi's son of Alphaeus sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Mark 3, 13 to 19. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that that they might be with him, and that he, note that, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and have the authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 that he appointed. You know, it goes through the 12 disciples. Then Mark 8, 34 to 37. And this, this is to, uh, called the way of the cross. The way of the cross. Then he called, to the cra- uh, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and... Follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to lose their life for me and for the gospel will save it. For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Mark. I love the gospels. So rich. And when we start to peel back the layers, we realize it's so simple. The call of Jesus was not believe in me, Get a ticket to heaven and then go there when you die. That was not the call of Jesus. The call was follow me. Follow me as a disciple. And this word disciple, now we'll get to it in the Hebrew, is Talmudim. And there are all sorts of ways to translate it. Disciple is the most common It could be translated as follower or student, not follower like you do on Instagram, not student like those who um, who sit in Notre Dame and go on Facebook while the lecturer talks it all over. You know, it's like not like people these days. Sorry, Kate. Did I? I don't know why you laugh, but sorry, Kate. Into the recording. Uh, (laughs) I'll cut that out, Kate. It's okay, Kate. Kate. But don't think, follow it in the sense of I follow you on Instagram or whatever, but actually it's more than that. In fact, in the English language, the best word that captures the idea behind Talmudim, and I spoke about this a few weeks ago, is 
apprentice. Who's ever been in an apprenticeship, an internship? Who's ever been in someone who's gone and learned under someone? Quill has. Quill is a rich history man. He's a rich man. Get to know him. To be a Talmudian was to be an apprentice, to live your entire life under the shadow of your rabbi. And so I want to give a bit of background to it here. Jesus did not dis- invent discipleship. He didn't. There were people before him, it was actually believed to uh, be in Greece by Aristotle and Socrates. So that's why the Socratic, they're talking, oh, let's have a Socratic method of conversation. He's like this discipleship, or like I'm talking to a group of people in a Socratic conversation. So that was actually created about 200, 300 years plus before Jesus was on the scene. So discipleship was common to the people of that time. It wasn't like, this is this brand new idea, but it's like, hey, there's 12 people following him. No, before that, there were people who had thousands of disciples. And nowadays we see it happening in cults, we see it happening in all these different places. I'm, I'm that person's disciple. You know, I've read influences. I'm that person's disciple now. It's stupid. Don't be an influencer, unless it's for Jesus. Didn't start in Israel. Jesus didn't copyright it. But it was part and parcel of the first century world. But the thing about discipleship nowadays is we often take it out of the context of the Mediterranean, Old Testament, New Testament world. And we bring it into our situation and say discipleship is to discipleship program, discipleship on. And we don't actually give it the the oomph, the gumption, the honour, the understanding, have the understanding that it had back in the day. So if we're looking to a book to give us examples or instructions, yet we're pushing to the side one of the greatest two-thirds of the Bible, you are a disciple, you are a follower, you are an apprentice of Jesus, and taking out of it what we want, do you think that we're learning from the Word of God well? So you are a disciple. You are a follower. When Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, you receive that salvation, it wasn't that I'm a Christian, it was that I'm now following the ways of Jesus. Some of us might identify with some of the disciples. Some of us might be Judas. Let's just get it out of there. Some of us might be Peter. The guy who's like, I'll do anything for you, God. And then when it comes, push comes to shove, he's like, I have no idea who that man is. Yeah, it's like, you might be Peter. You might be <laughs> Simon the Zealot. So he's a domestic terrorist. The guy who goes on, the person who goes on Facebook and assassinates people. You don't know Jesus. This is good theology. You might be Simon the Zealot. You know, you might be one of these disciples or you might identify with it. What I would just say is I try not to identify with a disciple. Let's identify with Jesus. Who is Jesus? What is his way? Let's not look to the, to the watered-down version, the poor man's version of Jesus. Let's look to Jesus himself. Say, who is Jesus? What is his way? What is his truth? But to understand what a disciple was in the, uh, in the pinnacle of it, let's look at the Jewish education system. And this, there's a great way. Uh, Shane Willard is a preacher. He preaches this called Follow me, John Mark Coma, they unpack this. But even if you just do a Google of Rabbi and Talmudin, you'll be able to read this really cool article that breaks down what a Rabbi and a Talmudin is and the Jewish education system back in the day. Are you still with me? 
so the Jewish education system, there are three levels of Jewish education. Beit Sefer, Beit Talmud, and Talmudim. The first one, Beit Sefer in Hebrew, meant house of the book. And it was a, essentially a grade school. The textbook was the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible. And you would memorize most of it, if not all of it. Who knows the first five verses of Genesis? We're screwed. Yeah, it's like, so Genesis all the way to Deuteronomy, memorized in the back of your head, passed down orally, so it was an oral culture, so someone would share it with you. And, I would, and what I would do is I would say this over and over again, and people would talk to me and be like, all right, tell me, tell me, tell me. And that was effectively bait safer. I would go and I'd learn the book, the, the words, the, the first five books. Now, the vast majority of children finished right there. Hence why we see Jesus go to fishermen. Because they were at the age where they finished. And then what did they do? They went and they apprenticed under their father. So they finish take bait safer, then go and work for their father and learn to be a fisherman. Around age of uh, 12 for female, you'd actually get married as well. And by the age of 13 and 14, you'd start to bear children. So it's like, this is the, the, the culture back in the day. This is where the split went. Males went and they, they had a career. They apprenticed. Females went and they took care of the home. You know, so Jesus, if we look at Jesus' um, yoke, actually, he changes that a lot. That's why Jesus is not, sorry, Jesus is not a feminist. Jesus just loves men and women. Let's not, put, let's not try and describe Jesus with a word that we've created. So if you're a male, you go into the family business, but the best of the best of the Beit Sefer will go into a second level of education called Beit Talmud. Or the house of learning. This was for young men. No women. Ages 12 to 14. Boo. So we've come a long way. The school was built off the side of a synagogue. And you'd learn every single day from the local scribe. So you'd literally have, say like me, sitting there every day teaching you. 10 to 12 hours a day teaching you. And you'd be learning, you'd be learning, you'd be learning. And you'd memorise most, if not all, of the Old Testament. So that's a lot of books. How many books in the Old Testament? I don't know. <laughs> so, the, the, the fruit of the spirits was going through my head, to be honest. I was singing that song. Uh, I think it's 39, to be honest, and 27 in the New Testament. Um, so the school, and you would memorize most, if not all, of the Old Testament. 39 books. And then after that, after you've done the best of the best, the, the, um, the ducks, the valedictorian, the person who received the, the scholarship, they, the 1%, would then go into something called Talmudim, which is an apprentice of a rabbi. So the 1% will go to be an apprentice under a rabbi but this was super, super hard to get into. You would have to go out on your own volition and you'd actually have to search for a rabbi. So if you finish this, you're the 1%. You would then go and be like, sending that letters, walking around, trying to find a rabbi and say, hey, can I please be your disciple? 
And they'll be like, well, they would follow you around for a bit and they'll just grill you with questions. It's like, how well do you know the Torah? What about the Talmud? Are you up to speed on that? Are you familiar with the Nephilim? What the heck are Nephilim? Do you know why they're here? I have no idea. What about Rabbi Shammai and his teachings? Who do you think's right, Rabbi Hillel or Rabbi Shammai? And you would have this conversation. And the, the, the point of a rabbi, they would not give you answers, but they would ask questions. And one of the roles of being a rabbi, a follower, an apprentice, was it's not about being able to ask, give you good answers, about being giving good questions. So the efficacy and the effectiveness of a disciple and a rabbi was, I can keep this conversation going by asking the right questions, as opposed to that. Seven. I've got the answer. The rabbi will be like, I, I don't care. You know, this is a, a conversation, a continuing conversation. So the 1%, we get into that. And if, if the rabbi that you went and saw out thought after a few weeks that you had the knack for it, that you're smart enough, that you're intelligent, you had the drive, the work ethic, they would say something along the lines of, come and follow me. Come be my disciple. Come be my apprentice. And you'll become the 1%. First and foremost, before I go into the rest of my notes, isn't it crazy that within that, Jesus didn't go to someone who went into the Beit Talmud, but he went to someone who was a fisherman. And the fisherman didn't actually have to go out and find a rabbi, the rabbi that he. Sorry, I'm just getting... You know when you preach and you're making yourself impact? It's like, you're like, oh man. Jesus said, come and follow me. You didn't pass the first one. You sucked at the second one. But hey, I'm going to break the rules. I'm going to go against it. And I'm going to come and search you out. You don't have to have got it into the talent I did. You are my apprentice if you say yes. If you're willing to follow, if you're willing to come and follow me, you can be my apprentice. That's a beautiful picture of our Jesus. That's not about how smart, how well conversed you are in the Torah. Because a lot of us don't even know what the Torah is. And don't care. <laughs> it's like, it's about will you follow when he calls? And he continues to call. He continues to say, come, keep following me. You know, it's a beautiful picture. But the three goals, and I'm going to break this down over a three-week period after today. There are three goals that a a Talmud did, or an apprentice had for the rabbi. The first one was to be with the rabbi. In Mark 3, we talked about he called them so they might be with him. To be with the rabbi. So literally, an apprenticeship would be a 24-7 apprenticeship. Literally, it's not, I'll go, have my smoke, go home, complain about the poor wages, they get dropped off by mum, at the work site. It wasn't that kind of apprenticeship. It was a, I 
went where you went. I went from village to village because you're a rabbi who went from village to village. We go from synagogue to synagogue together. You'd spend every waking moment with him. You'd eat three meals a day by his side and snacks. You would sleep by his side along with the other disciples. I mean, this wasn't all day long. This was all consuming. This was all powerful in your life. And there was a well-known Hebrew blessing in the first century that went like this. May you be covered by the dust of your rabbi. What? I've got my Jordans on. I'm wearing white. I do not want to be covered by the dust of my rabbi. But the thing is, most teaching was not done in a classroom, but it was done on the road from village to village. And your rabbi would walk in front of you at a slow stroll. This is the Socratic method. Slow stroll and a dozen or so, or it depends how, how many Instagram followers you had, would follow you. And the disciples would walk behind the rabbi and he would just teach and talk and dialogue the whole day long. And if it was a good day, you would literally by the end of the night be covered from head to toe in the dust of your rabbi. And that was the honour. I got to follow Jesus. I got to follow my rabbi. I was covered in the dust. That meant I lived in there. I, I spent time with them. I saw how they handled situations, the way that they loved the leper, the way that they loved the woman at the well, the way that they broke and changed societal norms. I got to see that. So I'm blessed to be covered in the dust of my rabbi. Second goal was to become like your rabbi. So be with your rabbi, become like your rabbi. And that was the goal. Every student, every apprentice, the goal was to one day be like your teacher or your rabbi. That was the heart and soul. And in a day and age like today, particularly in Fremantle and sometimes in Victoria Park, it's all about be yourself. You are a beautiful butterfly. You have your own truth. Yes, and then pay your own way. You know what? I don't know if you've heard of something called post postmodernism. Uh, it's this idea that we're, we are now in a, a society where we create truth. It's like, oh, Guy Sebastian should win. Bam! Guy Sebastian is the winner. I sent a text in. That's a small example. But we're in a way, uh, in a place where I can post something on Facebook and I can get a whole bunch of people to be like, yeah, I hate ScoMo. You don't know ScoMo. You don't know him. Don't say you hate him. You're, you're, that, this is the post-post-modernistic influence that we have. Whereas back in the day, it was like, I don't want to be like anyone else but my rabbi as a disciple. I want to be like they were, follow who they were, do what they did. So who wants to be like Jesus? I want to be like Jesus. So that's the picture that we have of a disciple is I would follow and I'll become a carbon copy. I want to be you. It seems creepy, but to become, you've got to understand this, to become a rabbi, particularly Jesus, who was called a rabbi with authority, which means that he would, the 1% actually had the ability to teach a new yoke. He was a rabbi with authority. That meant that they were special. The fact that they got to that point was special. So, of course I wanted to be like you because you've been tested and tried and you've passed and you've gone through fire and you've gone to the point where you can say, 
I have a new way. This is the better way. This is, these are the better promises. You still with me? This is good, isn't it? Then you're finally, your goal, your final goal. Do as your rabbi did. Do as your rabbi did. You see that line when we spoke in chapter 3, Mark 3, it says Jesus' end goal was to send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. That's what Jesus had been doing. Preaching and driving out demons. And there was a time coming when it was Peter, James and John, their turn to do the same thing. The whole point of apprenticeship was for you one day to become a rabbi yourself after years of following your rabbi around. The goal was not to be like, all right, nah, you did all right. You followed me around for years. Now go back and do what you did. That's why it was so crazy when the disciples followed Jesus around and went that fishing. Because it went against the point of being an apprentice. The goal was, and Jesus was like, hold up. No, no, no. This seems bad. You're still able to teach. You are now a rabbi with disciples. Which is hard. It's not something that we want to say. But that's what happened when Jesus left. They became the rabbis. The whole point of apprenticeship was to become like your rabbi after following around. But then it was to do like they did. Go and make disciples. Do as I did. So we have this picture, this blueprint of discipleship. Rabbi come again. We have this picture of how we are to be to Jesus. Followers, be with him, become like him, and do as he did. And I want you to think of that. And as we go into the week, I want you to discuss this question in the connect groups as we go forward as well. I want you to discuss these questions. How do I be with Jesus? How do I be with Jesus? How do I become like Jesus? And how do I do what Jesus did? And I'm not going to give you an answer because like a good apprentice, I'm just asking questions. How do I do these things? As you get a coffee now, as you go out for lunch, it's a beautiful day. I'm pretty sure we're going to go out for lunch afterwards, so you're welcome to join us. Ask these questions. How do I be with Jesus? And next week, I'm going to talk about being with Jesus. Being with Jesus. So maybe talk about that question first. How do I be with Jesus? Right now, when I'm getting kind of bored, right now, or later on as I go and I'm watching House Hunters, how do I be with Jesus while I watch House Hunters? As I go back to my family who might not believe what I believe, how do I be with Jesus? As I go into my workplace, I go and spend time with my crying baby. How am I to be... She's not crying. She's sleeping. How do I be with Jesus... When I don't want to. When I don't feel like it. And I think that's a good stoke of the fire right there. I want you to come back next week. I want you to, I want, I'm going to ask you, you're going to shout at me. This is how. And we're going to discuss that, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to have a good time. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City Podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, 
would love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.